Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze. Today, I've brought someone back. In fact, he was on episode number two. And what are we on? 58 episodes later? Good grief. Anyway, uh, his name is Pastor Larry Dean. He is the founder of Extreme Life Ministries, Team Faith, and a whole host of other things. So I've brought him back because he's doing something really kind of cool. And I also want to, him to share his testimony. But before we get to that, got to cover a little bit of housekeeping, guys. Unresolved News is up. It is sharing all kinds of content. Um, I try and sometimes I miss a day, but I'm trying daily to post content and articles. And if you are possibly interested in writing for Unresolved News, there's going to be a page that says write for us. Click that and send me a a note. Um, I'm looking for people who have a heart for the Lord and who realize that we are in the last times and that God is raising up a generation of the remnant. Uh, You can learn more about that at unresolved.news. So, on with the show. Pastor Larry, welcome to this uh, Unresolved Life. Boy, it's great to be back with you guys again. I appreciate you so much and your heart for the Lord and uh, you're going uh, where no warrior Christian has gone before in a lot of ways, and I, I just love that. It's just a matter of doing what God calls you to do. So, Amen. guys, before we start, I want to tell a story just to kind of set the – I mean, I've known Pastor Larry for, gosh, going on 13 years. And just to kind of give you an idea of the heart of this guy for Christ, there was a time when I was in the hospital. I was dealing with a lot of seizures, and they were they had me all – tweaked out on medicines and I didn't know who I was or where I was. And it was three something in the morning and I called pastor Larry and he picked up the phone and he helped me get through it. Guys, that's the kind of guy that will just war for the kingdom and, and, and do whatever it takes to get something done. And pastor, I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you for your friendship. You know, it's my, it's my honor guys. I, I owe the Lord Jesus everything like you do and like you're aware. And, to serve the Lord and just to be there for people is is everything. We have uh, just such a heart to revolutionize the pastorate and 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 people's view and approach to ministry. And you know, like you guys, our goal is to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ than you know corporate CEOs or a president of a company. Um, and that's just being there for people and picking up the phone when you can, when the calls come in, and that's just being like Jesus. Before we get into the project that you've been working on, I want to step back because you've not only been in the game for a while, but you have a testimony, and I want to open up with this question. How is it, Pastor Larry, that you yourself came to know the Lord? I was uh, born, you know, uh, south side of Chicago, um, south southwest suburbs, you know, born and raised, hardworking. My dad has a German background. My mom, a, Ch- a Czech background, both uh, second generation here, hardworking people, working class. My mom and dad were married at 17 years old, had me when they were 19. So my, my mom's with the Lord, but my, my dad's only 19 years older than me and my mom was too. My grandma, Charlotte, on my mom's side was 
the most real Christian in my life from birth. I don't even know when she came to know the Lord, but I remember being a little boy and she'd be making me soft boiled eggs and she made the best soft boiled eggs. She would pray before we, I would eat at, when I stayed at her house and she'd always have WMBI uh, Moody radio on listening to A.W. Tozer and um, you know, all the guys on Moody, her, Love for just the way she said the name Jesus stamped something in my heart. But anyways, you know, growing up and, you know, doing sports and going to school and running with the kids in the neighborhood and music was a big part of my life. My folks loved music. Um, my cousins were all musicians and I learned how to play guitar very young. Got into high school and then, of course, girls and music and sports and motocross and just working hard, pursuing my music career. Oh, I was I was in a martial arts cult that almost gobbled me up. I was in a in a in a flat out a, a, a martial arts cult. I was a black belt instructor in a martial arts cult that was really ripping through the country. And what 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 was the occult, uh, if I can ask? Uh, it was called Chung Mu Kwan, and I uh, was a, a a martial arts master from Korea that came over here and uh, amazing art form of martial arts, uh, incomparable. It was, uh, you know, it was, uh, something that God used. I actually received Christ out of that, uh, martial arts cult, but simultaneously, um, you know, my crew was getting into all kinds of trouble and nasty business, uh, from selling drugs, using drugs. The music scene, um, was kind of sucking us in the long and short of it is the punchline, a friend of mine, four years younger than me, a young man by the name of Yick, Ricky, his mom and dad were divorced. Um, he's the toughest kid in school and he was just crying out for attention. His dad was friends with my dad and we all knew each other. And his dad asked my dad, Hey, could Ricky come by and, and hang out with Larry? And, you know, cause you know, I mean, I was 18 years old and, uh, uh, you know, in, in a, in a rock band and Hey, going places. Right. And so, uh, what 14 year old boy, you know, who's into music wouldn't want to hang out with a guy like that. Right. So my dad hooked that up and, um, Ricky started coming over and, uh, uh, oh, and his dad asked me to give him guitar lessons. So my time with him was me showing him a chord or two and then showing off for about 30 minutes. And then he'd stay and then watch my band rehearse. And then, you know, his dad would pick him up and he'd go home. Well, I came home from work one day as a welder, yay welders, and um, I came home from work one day and my mom was sitting there at the kitchen table with tears streaming down her cheeks and I'm like, mom, what, what's, what's wrong? And she said, Larry, I've got to tell you that, that Ricky took his own life today. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, it, it just flipped my life on its head. That week I was uh, in my old neighborhood and um, I saw an old friend of mine from high school who at the time I didn't even know was a Christian. He said, hey, man, how you doing? You, you, you're looking like three days rain. And I'm like, yeah. I said, a friend of mine just committed suicide, you know, a young kid, 14 years old. And my friend Henry said the words that would re reverberate in my heart and ultimately bring me to Christ. He said, oh, man. And he goes, I'm sorry. I wonder if anyone ever told him that Jesus loves him. That question just shook my soul to its core and uh, it's like the sound went down 
And I'm not even sure how I finished up the conversation with my friend Henry, but that got me asking all kinds of questions. You know, why am I here? Where am I heading? Where did I come from? You know, what is this all about? The Lord kind of Isaiah, I call it Isaiah 118 me where the scripture says, therefore, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That is the actual founding verse for unresolved. Wow. I did not even know that, but I began to like just review and assess my life. I'm like, God, me and you are cool, right? And the Lord loved me enough to confront me with the fact that while I believed it wasn't settled, I, things weren't cool with the Lord. I believed if you asked me when I was at that time or before then, if, if I believed in Christ, if I believed in God, if I believed in heaven, if I believed that Jesus died on the cross, if he rose again, I'd say yes, 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 yes. But I had never received what I believed and God used, um, I'm really big on the term God storms. And uh, that was that was my God storm. The Lord loved me enough to confront me with with my sin and the fact that while I believed what in what Christ did through his cross and resurrection, that I never owned it, that I never received it, that I never I never took it to the bank. And and simultaneously, my best friend, actually the manager in my band at the time, um, was God was reeling him in. Uh, you know him, Pastor Greg. He is my covering pastor to this day. He's the guy that led me to the Lord. He was sharing Bible stories with me, and he was goofing up the Bible stories, you know, mixing up Paul and Peter and stuff like that. And I didn't know that. I didn't know it then, but later on, I came to find it out. But he was sharing the love of Christ with me and the reality of my own sin and that that I needed to receive Jesus. One one day while I was welding in the factory, I was listening to Christian radio every day at work the whole time I was there. And I can't even remember what preacher it was, but he said, man, no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you and he wants you to know his forgiveness. If you would just cry out to God like this, I cried out to the Lord and I repented and turned from my sin and cried out for the Lord to forgive me. And I received Jesus as my savior. And, uh, you know, I've fallen down about a million times since then, but I've, I've never turned back and I've never looked back, but, uh, that that's my testimony. And, and, uh, I left that martial arts cult. I stopped playing music for almost a whole year. Uh, I had a recording deal, uh, through a manager in Toronto connected to the band rush. Um, I had studio time booked I just walked away from it all. All my mates, all my parents, my family, anybody that knew me was like, dude, what are, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm seeking Jesus and I'm going to let him reprogram my life and, and reboot me. And I don't want to do anything until he tells me to, like I said, not quite a year later. And um, finally, the Lord had released me. Suicide was rampant at that time. 22 teenagers a day were committing suicide. And I, I would always get up in the morning and spend time in the sunlight that would come through the, the dock door where we all lived, my bandmates and, and our crew and everything. And the Lord whispered to me, he said, I want you to pick up that guitar now. And I want you to tell as many people as you can about, about my love and about the cross and about the hope that there is and the life that there is through faith in Christ alone. And, uh, I, and he said, especially, especially teens, especially teenagers. And I said, all right, Lord. And so I picked up the guitar. I spent my uh, income tax check on starting the, the first Triton album. 
And it was a total godstorm from there. REX Music contacted me, Doug Mann and Gavin Morkel. They had left Pure Metal Records and um, started their own label. And they wanted our band to be the, the debut artists on REX Music New York. And, and we were. And um, ah, it's just really a cool praise to God for his using us. We have a very similar past in the sense of God plants the seed, but it's amazing how he uses, or in my case, as well as yours, how he used Christian radio to uh, seal the deal. In my case, it was more of a uh, God used someone in my life, but it took me a lot of time to kind of come to that place. And I finally was listening to Night Sounds with uh, Bill Pierce. I rem- I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, you know, this is true. Why not give it a chance? What do you have to lose? And I remember turning off the radio, getting on my knees and doing business with God. And that happened when I was a teenager. I was like 15, 16, somewhere around there. It, <laughs> in some Wait, I mean, it fixed my eternal situation, but it made a lot of things really interesting real quick. <laughs> uh, you know, growing up in a non-believing home made things real interesting. So I totally get what you, where you're going from uh, there. If you could sum up what you're doing now, because, I mean, you've got your hands and a whole bunch of different pies. If you could sum it up, up what it is you're doing now and what your heart is uh, for ministry, where has God kind of called you to? Where would that be? You know, I'm a pastor. I was a musician before I was a pastor, but my first year in Christ, you know, I fell in love with Pastor Raul Reese from uh, Calvary Chapels and, you know, Papa Chuck, Pastor Chuck Smith, and uh, guys like Jeff Johnson and David Rosales and Greg Laurie. Those were, those were like my guys. And Extreme Church, even to this day, is kind of a cross between a Calvary Chapel uh, and a hill songs were kind of like a Calvary chapel with mag wheels, headers, and a glass pack. When I check out hill songs now, it's like, wow, that the flavor is so much like extreme church. So I really believe where God's finger touches the earth is the local church is, is the Ecclesia, the church of Jesus. But I have an outreach heart, like an evangelistic heart. And so my connection with team faith and, and just, just for accuracy, um, I am not the founder of Team Faith. Uh, Pastor Brian O'Rourke is, and he's one of my best friends in the whole world. And we're partners and confidants. And I mean, just this guy is my battle buddy, one of one of many. But when we connected in 2003, we became prayer partners. And I began to cover Brian O prayerfully and pastorally because he was going through a real tough time back there, 0304. And then we finally met face-to-face at X Games in 2005, where ESPN, Disney, and uh, X Games had invited me to come out and actually do ministry there, first time ever. And uh, Brian O and I partnered up, and um, it's been such a powerfully humbling thing to be involved with Team Faith and the team of pastors that are involved with Team Faith, everyone from Brian O to... Uh, Kevin Johnson to Chuck Lee Master to Jason Newby to Kelly Smith. There's a crew of guys. These guys are are warrior, shepherd, Jesus, super freaks. And um, my connection with them has been very, very integral. But I've I've stayed uh, committed to Extreme Church uh, and Extreme Life Ministries. That's that's my foundation. And then I, I work 
day in and day out with team faith, very evangelistic. It's all outreach based. We do, we've done ministry at X games, the Mountain Dew action sports tour, arena cross for two decades, Supercross. Uh, we'll be doing the new Supercross futures. Um, we do the GNCC tour. We do jump shows in Egypt, all around the country here in the U S so team faith is a big part of my life, but the most recent breakthrough has been God recalling me to music. We started praying over a decade ago. Our pastor, our covering pastor, who I mentioned, Greg Van Gorp, he said he had a word uh, from the Lord for me over a decade ago. And he said, the Lord is going to bring increase through your music. You know, I laid Triton down in like the early 90s. Uh, we did some stuff at Cornerstone in 2001 and did a live DVD and a live CD with bands like Guardian and Sacred Warrior and Deliverance and Recon and, and all those mates. So I've been praying on this word that Greg had for me for like a, a decade. I've really been looking at bands like Blood Good and Sacred Warrior and Striper. And these are my mates, you know, that I was doing stuff with years ago. And they're all doing records. Striper is still going strong. I don't think they missed a beat, even though I took like a 25-year break. Anyways, all that to say, there, it just was time. Uh, you know, my, my youngest, our youngest daughter is 26 years old. She's married. She's on with it, man. She's serving the Lord. She's loving Jesus. She's got a career. Uh, she's married, has her own house. Our oldest daughter, the same. Both of our sons are are on with it. As you know, Pastor Stephen, uh, my oldest son, is on staff with me here at Extreme Church and Extreme Life Ministries. So I just thought, Lord, it's time. I have things to say. And as I prayed over this decade, just song concepts and music began to bubble out of me. And I don't want to fail to mention this. Um, Extreme Church about a decade ago, started to do this praise meets metal brand of praise and worship through writing kind of a trans-Siberian orchestra meets dream theater meets I don't know what type of praise and worship song. That's seriously sick. I, I love that concept. Yeah, it, well, it, it, and, and that's my end game too, Teresa. I, I want to do the Triton stuff. I've got three albums ready to go for Triton. Triton, Blood of Kings, Triton, Heart of the Dragon and Triton Decapolis. But my end game, despite having all that Triton material, my end game is this praise and worship project called Emanate. Um, I want to do a praise and worship tour. Um, I'm connected with, uh, you know, the whosoever's and um, a lot of the stuff going on there with Ryan Reese. And, uh, you know, of course, Brian had Welsh and Sonny from POD and Lacey from Flyleaf and her husband and Ronnie Feist, who's one of my guys um, are connected to the whosoever's and I want to do, I really believe eventually do like a national tour for emanate. I'd love to call it. Um, are you safe and do a praise and worship evangelism tour, but emanate was an integral part in getting those chops going and that going back to, you know, playing electric guitar. I, I hadn't played electric guitar and probably, well, not consistently for a decade, but then doing this, this uh, praise meets metal stuff with Extreme Church, man, just the ideas started popping and we, we gave like a lot of classic praise and worship songs, like a Trans-Siberian a la Dream Theater makeover. And 
the fun and the joy and the activation that our team felt through doing these songs was absolutely riveting. And, and that really jump-started the, the Triton juices flowing. I started writing more Triton stuff and, and, and you know, revisiting songs that I had put on the shelf for like 25 years and really cool God storm. But uh, we're excited about what we're, the, the, the Triton Blood of Kings album is at, the concepts that we're going to address, the things that we want to challenge the church uh, about, but also at the same time reach for the lost and um, share who Christ is in a, in a powerful, head-snapping way. If there is someone out there who maybe they're hearing this and maybe they have a creative bone, maybe they've been writing music for a while or writing lyrics, would you have something to say to them? And if so, what would that be? Get covered. Be involved in a church that will cover what you're doing. Um, I really believe in order. The Bible talks about good order. Paul rejoiced to see the church in Colossae's good order. The Bible way is that we are sent but so many people today just went. And um, when we don't have that connection and that covering and that mentorship, and, you know, sadly, some people that have those kind of creative impulses and calling might not be in a church that knows how to cover them. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah, so they need to find a pastor, you know, and Pastor Bob Beeman from Sanctuary International, there's all kinds of pastors out there that know how to cover that. And, 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 and maybe it'll be a good challenge to say, hey, pastor, will you cover me with this? You know, and I realize it's it's not your background. Let's, let's, let's figure this out together. You're my pastor and um, you've never done anything in, you know, in, in this realm of, you know, the arts or, you know, rock or metal music or whatever. Let's learn this together. And they, they may, they may wind up just releasing you to be involved in a church that, that is more suited to cover you, but you want to make sure that you're covered. You want to uh, begin to pray and fast. I, I really believe um, musicians especially need to learn about praying and fasting because music has a stream of vanity. Uh, I don't, I don't want to preach to you guys about this, but um, you know, Satan uh, was the minister of music before God's presence. And when music enters the scene in the Bible, it's it's through Jubal Cain, and Jubal Cain is of the line of Cain, and Cain, Cain killed Abel because he couldn't humble himself to Abel's model of sacrifice before the Lord. That independence and that I got to be my own person, I got to express myself. That was really what drove Cain to kill Abel because Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord and Cain's was not. And shortly thereafter, Jubal Cain brings music into the scene from that line. And so there's a real stream of prideful vanity that can be a, a real pitfall for a Christian attempting to do music. Yeah, and you see that in a lot of lyrics. I mean, I'm a big fan of Christian rock, but it's like, Lately, I find I've been listening and I'm starting to really become picky about even in the Christian scene, who and what I listen to. Yeah, because Teresa, you can slap a cross and a dove on something and call it Christian, but the spirit of God will give us a witness. Paul tells Thessalonica, says, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. And the Lord Jesus warned us about wolves in sheep's clothing and, um, you know, back to Paul, he said, you know, whether in truth or a pretense, I thank God that, that the gospel message, the story of Christ is going forward. But we need to get better, like you're saying, at testing the spirits and say, you know, just because 
s- someone says they're in Christ doesn't mean that they are. And, and we need to test the spirits and, and what's good for us. You know, um, we need to season by season be receiving from and listening to teaching that is what the Lord is leading us to for that point in our life. And, uh, you know, beware of old wineskins and, and old wine. We have to get the fresh, you know, a fresh word from the Lord uh, in every season, every day. Amen. Well, I find, you know, lately I'm, I'm really, uh, I've had a friend introduce me to some actual Hebraic messianic music. And I'm telling you, I put some of that stuff on and it is like, I'd call that a God storm on steroids. <laughs> you know, it is seriously sick stuff. I love it. So if you are a, a creative sort, and it doesn't have to be just with lyrics. It could be with anything. It could be with painting. I know people that paint and do things like that. You know, make sure that you are doing exactly what God wants you to and make sure you're under his covering, whatever that looks like. So we need to kind of wind down a little bit. So let's, let me ask you this. Could you kind of end the show by kind of addressing maybe the believer who's gone through some of these things and also the non-believer? Guys, you know, the bottom line is, I think the big thing for Christians is being plugged into the Lord through the word of God, through prayer, and through godly relationships. Um, You know, when you use a power tool, there's a three-prong plug if the thing is going to be safe. And our three-prong plug to be plugged into Christ is his word, uh, prayer, and uh, godly relationships. And it's amazing to me when you talk about those academics of Christianity, we think, oh, yeah, the Bible, of course, the Bible. But most Christians don't take the time to memorize the scripture so that it can come a part of our, 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 our meditation and the way we think. And um, that the word of God is a sword. Uh, a sword is a weapon. And we don't realize that we're in a war. The scripture says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's a weapon. And we need to get the written word of God, the logos, into our head so that we can meditate on it and memorize it. And, and it becomes a weapon, the rhema word of God against the enemy, against strongholds, to help people uh, get sliced out of um, depression and the stronghold of religiosity and, and prayer say, Oh, you know, everybody knows a Christian should pray. You know, most Christians aren't praying biblically. We, we get to our lists and Jesus was asked by his disciples in Luke 11 and verse two, Lord teach us how to pray. And Christ told them when you pray guys, pray something like this, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that is straight worship. So we have a saying at Extreme Church, the right beginning to anything is prayer, but the correct beginning to prayer is worship. And we make a habit of, of getting to our lists and our needs, which is great. But when Christ gave the model to his disciples to pray, it began with worship. And if we spend time just worshiping the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who saved us, the God who bled on the cross and rose again, the father who sent his son on the greatest rescue mission of all time, if we begin to worship him, it will transform and empower our prayer life. And then godly relationships. I see a lot of negligence in Christian relationships where we don't, spend time 
with other Christians, really praying for each other, really finding out what's going on, really encouraging each other in the Lord, sharing out of the 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 the, the abundance of, of truth that God has brought to our life. You know, if, if, let's say you spend time with the Lord, devos in the morning, prayer throughout the day, things, you know, you version and, you know, Bible studies that you get into. Okay, let's say half is for you. Well, who's the other half for? It's for the, the, the Christians and the lost people in your life. And, and we got to quit being fat lambs and we got to get mobilized and start reaching for people, challenging the church to win souls and encouraging the people that are hurting as we're serious and watchful in our prayers. Just a look on somebody's face could cry out to us if we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Man, go talk to that person. Initiate a contact and, 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 and conversation and, and, and find out what's going on with them. They're hurting. When you talk about getting life on life or or, or praying with a non uh, with a believer or a non-believer or whoever, I think the church has gotten into this schedule of you go in, you sing your songs for fifteen or twenty minutes, the the message can last no longer than an hour, and then you only have maybe half an hour for fellowship, um, and then you got to be out the door and on to your next thing, and that's. I don't think the Lord really ever meant for that to be so rigid. I think really what he wanted um, was for us to be involved, involved in each other's dealings. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Hebrews says, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And um, even in church, Teresa, we don't take the time. You know, it's like, how you doing? Oh, great. You know, it's like, Man, there should be like two hours of crying and praying and ministering. And, uh, you know, the gifts of the saints, we're burning out pastors because we don't really believe in the ministry of the saints as evidenced by how we conduct our services. We expect the pastors and, the, you know, the, the clergy, the paid staff to do all the ministry. And um, it's no wonder, you know, 1,500 pastors a month. Are, are, are leaving the ministry because they can't do it all and they're not supposed to be doing it all. That's yeah. And, and, and the pastor is the shepherd of the sheep, but he's supposed to um, raise up the sheep in order to go out and do the work of the ministry. The pastor is not the one that's supposed to be doing all the ministry. The people within the church body, if it's a healthy church body, if it's a healthy Christ centered church body, the people are supposed to go out, and bring Christ with them into the blood and guts of, the, of this fallen world. And they are the ones that are supposed to share the biblical uh, calling of Christ. Absolutely. It's, it's to connect, connecting with people, uh, you know, connect with Christian people that are, are with you in the Lord and part of your family and connect with the lost. Both those two things should be a predominant part I mean, it should be our life as Christians, build the church, win the lost. Those two things all the time when I'm not building up a Christian or somehow, you know, and and that doesn't mean you're, you know, doing one-on-one discipleship 24-7. It means that, you know, you're part of the worship team. You help people be led in worship. You're part of the kids' church. You you help in the parking lot. You you help greet. You you know, discipleship has a a, a manifold uh, effect or a manifold uh, expression and, and when I'm not building up the church, I need to be reaching for the lost so they can, they can come to Christ and become a part of the living church. Amen. So let me ask you this. In the final uh, moments of the show, let's, let's 
let's break down because we've been talking about bring, reaching the lost and you know, as a part of our mandate. If someone says, what does it mean to be a Christian? And why would I want to bother with that? You know, the Apostle Paul hit it and the Lord used him as a religious man. He was a Christian killer. And when, you know, when, when Saul from Tarsus, Paul, who would later be Paul, saw Stephen uh, martyred for the Lord, God activated something in him. He saw that young man forgive his accusers and, and those who were murdering him, Saul consenting to the death of Stephen, and it activated something in Paul of course, later confronted by Ananias and, and brought into faith in Christ and understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, I think a lot of people today, Teresa, uh, have that religious, albeit watered down, you know, that, that sort of moral compass salvation. Like, why will God let you into heaven? You know, uh, because I'm a good person. I'm doing the best I can. My good outweighs my bad. And yet the scriptures teaches something very different, that there's no one righteous, not even one. None have met the criteria or standard of God. You know, Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. Um, the wages of sin is death. Sin always pays its debt. And, 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 uh, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life by faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, you know, the good person mindset, I'm doing the best I can, it, it, that, that is... Satan loves that, but we've got to love people enough to confront them with their own works righteousness or their own self-righteousness. It's like, what an offense to God. If I gave my son to set you free and you're going to try to be good enough on your own, uh, you're in trouble with me. And um, people need to be warned about the wrath to come. In and Second Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, the Bible says clearly that God will take fiery, he'll unleash fiery vengeance on those who have not responded and obeyed the, the saving story of his son, Jesus Christ. And we need to warn them about the wrath to come. It's like if someone's house was on fire next door in my neighborhood here and, um, and, and you know, I knew the kids were in there. I wouldn't just like gently knock on the door. I would beat on that door. I'd, I'd break a, a window to get them out of there if I saw their house was in flames. And uh, Christians have got to stop being so passe. We've got to wake up. And if someone who doesn't know the Lord is listening to this, just think about this. The Bible says in Psalm 17, in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. There's no one good enough. And if you realize God gave the commandments to activate our conscience, to show us that we're not good enough, the law of the Lord, the 10 commandments, all those thou shall not have any great, uh, not thou shall not uh, uh, make a graven image in worship, but thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shall not take the name of the Lord of thy God in vain. When we realize, man, have I done these things? Yes, 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 I have. I'm guilty. But then you understand the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are dying, the Bible says, Corinthians 1.18. But to those of us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. And so to make the cross, the truth of the cross alive to somebody, we have to lovingly and passionately and effectively confront them with their guilt. I had not known sin, but by the law, Paul said in Romans 3.19. So... I think that's the key, Teresa, is loving people enough to, to 
come alongside of them, like we said before, to connect with them, to be where they are, and then find out where they're at with Christ by asking them, where are you at with Jesus? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Um, uh, uh, do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in heaven? And then, and then if they say, well, no, or, you know, I'm a good person, I'm doing the best I can, to confront that in love and say, you know what, I used to think that too. And uh, so many people do. 99 out of 100 people will insist that they're going to be led into heaven because they're a good person and doing the best they can. But the Bible, God loves us enough to tell us the truth. And that's not the truth. I have a uh, really good friend, uh, Sonda Allison from Myrtle Ministries. She's a very good friend of this ministry and what we're doing here in Unresolved. And she refers to the Bible as the greatest love story ever told. <laughs> I mean, I think we could just leave it there. I mean, that's exactly what we're dealing with. And, and, if you don't know the Lord, if you are not actively following Christ, then it really comes down to um, doing what I did, what Pastor Larry has done, and that's get on your knees and ask God, or just bow your head and say, "You know what, God, man, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do this thing on my own. I, um, I can't even get into heaven on my own. My works ain't good enough. But I believe Your Son died on the cross for my sin." I believe that. I believe he rose again, and I believe he has ascended to heaven and is now sitting at the right hand of God. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that if you confess with your heart, uh, mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a promise. But it, it, it's, it starts there. Don't think, that, well, I just got to pray a prayer and I'm good. And I can just go on my merry way. No, it starts there. It starts a, a relationship, an active, vibrant relationship. And if you haven't done that, then I would urge you to please do that and let me know i'm sure pastor larry would also love to know that and we will do our best to uh help connect you with someone out in your area if you haven't uh received christ or and and to the and to the believer my final comment is i think you hear our hearts we need to wake up and we need to be about god's business amen You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.